Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standig. I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. It is Monday early evening. Uh, back in the swing of things here in the DMV, uh, spoke with Ron. Well, we all spoke with Ron Rivera earlier today. I uh, want to I'll share a little bit about that, some injury updates and where he's at with some of the decisions that the team has to make here over the next uh, bit. Uh, I'll also go into a little bit more depth about the story I had up on The Athletic today about the commanders at the trade deadline, what any what this could all mean for Chase Young, Montez Sweat, and others. And my guest today, our pal Joe House from The Ringer uh, at House from D.C. Uh, ho- is, is part of an unbelievable amount of shows uh over there uh including their uh uh fan uh, show on FanDuel on Sunday mornings uh ahead of NFL games so Joe House was kind enough to give us a few minutes to talk about the commanders we mostly did it from the perspective of Joe as a fan um so we we got we sort of talked about it a little bit from that way where he's at with um you know where, what we've seen so far from Sam Howell does this three and four record feel okay in the grand scheme of all that has changed with the commanders or it is as frustrating as the previous uh, slow starts have been under Ron Rivera. And of course we got into, we also talked a bit about the stadium for sure. And of course we also talked about the wizards. Uh, I think we're both pretty excited about the direction they're headed in, at least in the sense of they're not trying to make the playoffs. They're trying to rebuild and we both think it's going to be exciting. So Stay tuned for that as well. And I also asked a bunch of you on Twitter today, or asked everybody on Twitter today, and a bunch of you responded um, with questions about the commanders. And I'm going to answer a bunch of those here in a few moments. Um, so we'll get to that uh, here on the Standard Group Only podcast. If you if you can, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button uh, wherever you do it, iTunes or anywhere else. And uh, look, I, you know, <laughs> the uh, a- after what happened, I haven't mentioned the Giants game yet here. I did talk about it last night uh, when I got home from New Jersey after the game. You can check that out uh, wherever you do your podcasting. Needless to say, it was a pretty miserable scenario, performance, a- outcome, all those things. Um, so I definitely appreciate you guys listening uh, and hanging in there. And we'll we'll we'll, we'll try to have uh, as much uh, insight, fun, and realism. Uh, throughout this uh, journey here, wherever they uh, go. Uh, also, just make sure you subscribe to The Athletic. As I said, new story up today about the, the the loss, the scene, the post-game scene, but also what I'm hearing with regards to this team at the tra- as the trade deadline approaches. Um, Ron Rivera today, I mentioned that he spoke. Um on the practical matter up front in terms of, uh, you know, w- uh, some injuries, a couple injuries he mentioned that that sound 
like they could be possibly leading to some players missing games. Uh, first one I'll mention linebacker Cody Barton. You know, it's ironic. Cody Barton's, I would say his best game of the year came in the win over Atlanta. And then early in uh, Sunday in, in New Jersey, he leaves with an ankle injury. We saw him in a walking boot later. Rivera said he would be getting an MRI and that he says, quote, I do know what the training staff thinks Cody has a high ankle sprain. That Rivera would even say that suggests he's going to miss some time because a high ankle sprain, you know, three weeks, six weeks, somewhere in that range. But th- that you would even say that as opposed to just a sprained ankle, that's going to mean he's going to miss some time. What that means for their rotation is that more David Mayo, the natural Mike linebacker replacement. Is there a world where Jamin Davis moves back inside? Kalik Hudson becomes the outside backer. Um, you know, as they're playing the Eagles this week, a team that's gonna they're gonna run the ball, of course, with DeAndre Swift, but a team that obviously is gonna throw more than Washington's last three opponents. Is this a world where they decide, hey, let's go with more of a uh, you know, four or five up front, five or six in the back, and one linebacker? We'll see where that goes. But Cody Barton. It sounds like we'll be missing some time here coming up. Also, Sadiq Charles, uh, he also left the game with a uh, calf muscle injury. Um, Rivera said it was one he strained it, and it was one that he had an issue with in training camp. Could mean he could miss some time. Ricky Stromberg is the one that replaced uh, Charles in this last game. Now, previously, earlier in the year, I asked Rivera, hey, does Stromberg being active suggest that he would be the next guard up should there be an injury? And he said no, that it was about his versatility that could play multiple spots, that Chris Paul would remain the primary backup. That said, I do wonder, are we reaching a point as the offensive line, you know, not helping Sam Howell's cause, we're up to 40 sacks this year. Again, most of them probably have been on Howell. Um, as we've discussed over and over again, but clearly the offensive line is having some issues. Is there a world in which the five best scenario would be putting Andrew Wiley at left guard? He did play left and right guard with the chiefs before transitioning to tackle and then have Cornelius Lucas take over for Wiley at right tackle. I don't know. seems like that could be the way to go. If you want to get your best guys out there, you know, Chris Paul, We'll have to see what he does, but, you know, he's only had the one start, the one appearance. I think that's something to consider. And I think in general with with Washington, we've talked a lot about the bigger picture stuff with the trade deadline and where this organization is going. But in in the moment here, right, the Eagles are up next. What moves are they going to make to try to kind of get, you know, to, 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 to find not just a way to possibly beat the Eagles, but also find something sustainable? I, I think reshuffling the line in the way that I just discussed is possibly a good way to go. We'll see what they do about that. What about Emmanuel Forbes? Does he get back in? Played five snaps yesterday, one on special, five in defense, one special teams. Hardly, uh, you know, yes, that's more than he played in the previous game, but that's not exactly being in the rotation. Um, now they're going up against the Eagles, the team that he really got torched uh, by in the air, A.J. Brown, who I believe has had like 125 yards at least in every game 
from that game on. So I, you know, is Forbes going to get back involved? Um, you know, the running back situation, they have not been able to get the, the ground game going at all. Brian Robinson, uh, you know, his numbers have been pretty quiet. Chris Rodriguez in this last game, he only plays nine snaps, but he gets seven carries in those nine snaps while Antonio Gibson only got four touches in the game. Is Chris Rodriguez not only replacing, or is he jumping Gibson in the broad rotation? And is he maybe even challenging Robinson? Uh, you know, for for more touches. I don't know. Uh, I I I, I like what Rodriguez has done, and Robinson. You know, there's been obviously some really positive moments, but at the same time, it's been kind of a a, a bit inefficient in the ground game, and really just not being involved enough at all. Um, for what it's worth, on that front, Ron Rivera today said, um, with regards to that, does he want to see more running the way in the past? He has cited, hey, we want to be a little bit more run-oriented. He said, quote, I've been fine with what we've been we've always tried to do offensively. As far as I'm concerned, and look at some of the biggest things, again, it really is about the development of this young quarterback, meaning Sam Howell. Uh, there's been a lot of positives that you see coming out of at some of the things that Sam has been doing. As far as that's concerned, you see his decision-making has been really good, et cetera. Um, so Rivera is not sounding like somebody who's saying, hey, we got to run the ball more, even though it's funny, right? What, what were we talking about back when in January and February and March that this team was looking to be a run first run heavy team? Um, I, we all I, you know, hopefully we all understand Martin Mayhew was not suggesting that they were trying to be a two for one run to pass ratio when he made a comment that had people kind of thinking he said that. Regardless, they were definitely talking about wanting to be, you know, a, a positive run team. And now they have a scenario where they just throw and throw and throw and throw. And um, I I don't know that that's necessarily helping Sam Howell, especially when he's getting a hit a ton. Six sacks yesterday against the Giants. It felt much worse. Um, but anyway, that's where things are there. Um, I will say one other comment here with regards to Rivera today. Actually, two quick things. Um, he continued to talk, as as I said, about Sam Howe. Like he said here, on what it, he was asked on what makes him believe things will go differently for the rest of the season compared to years past when they've been in the same record-wise. They were through a three and four last year. He said, quote, well, I think the biggest thing, more than anything else, I think we have found a young quarterback that gives us an opportunity. I think Sam Howe's done some, this is me now. I think Sam Howe's done some good things for sure. But Rivera kept mentioning the young quarterback whenever it was about why is there reason to be optimistic? And that's fine, but that is also very different than being optimistic about winning games because that is sort of, I mean, you may win games the same how, but you're basically saying if we're developing a young quarterback, we're willing to accept that there may be more down, immediate downside, but longer term upside. That's sort of the logic thing, right? So I asked him if that's the case. Are you committed to starting Sam Howe the rest of the season? Seems reasonable to me that you would ask that 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 he that he should be asked this. If you're going to keep using Sam Howe as a justification for, look, we understand it's not going great per se, but this guy has been pretty good. Okay, his answer: "Quote, I will tell you this: I'm committed to him, and we'll see how things go. I can't predict the future." 
And the only thing I'm going to do is I'm going to focus in on one game at a time. The truth of the matter is that's the only thing that matters right now, and that's getting ready for Philadelphia. Once I get done with this conversation with all you guys, it'll be on to Philadelphia, end quote. I appreciate the homage to Bill Belichick on to Cincinnati there. Um, okay. Uh, you know, football people, like you know, the, the whole next game, next game, next game, it's reasonable, of course. You, you need to stay focused on the task at hand. But when you're the head coach who has a lot of power, got to be able to put a little more vision into what you see here and i get it like i guess he thinks perhaps like with some players if you say yes they're gonna be the start of the rest of the way and then either a maybe that changes the mentality of the player they get a little satisfied already and they don't work as hard perhaps or what if something does go wrong and he has to make a change to me it seems reasonable to think look sam has shown us a lot of things we we recognize that having a quarterback in this league if you have one you have a chance to win if you don't kind of stuck and sam Howell's shown us enough things here to believe that we might have something so we're going to keep doing everything we can to make that commitment and, and, and to show that we believe in him and hopefully it goes well if there's a reason we have to go to Brissett, we're prepared to do that but by all measures we want to see sam how where this can go because we're pretty excited about it for our future that's the type of thing i think that not only would be reasonable to say but also would I think go well with the new ownership group because I you know, I think you guys heard me pivot a few weeks ago. To me, this is less about Ron Rivera leading this team to the playoffs in terms of keeping his job and more about being in line with what we think is Josh Harris's vision um, of where this team can go. And Josh Harris, of course, famously with the process, you know, build from the ground, you know, get a lot of assets, get all the young players and then go from there. I'm simplifying it, of course. Um, plus, they have you know one of the uh, you know like seventy seventy odd million in cap space next year. There's a, there's opportunity there to develop, and if you have a cheap young quarterback, as they would with Hal, then that's even better uh, for the immediate future. That said, the NFL trade deadline is coming up. I talked about it a lot yesterday on the, on the podcast. I wrote about it on the Athletic. So I said to Ron, okay, well, I asked him. Okay, you said you just said what you said about how. If you're developing a young quarterback, that's sort of a longer-term vision. Therefore, combined with yesterday's loss, does that change your opinion over what you guys may do at the trade deadline over these next 10 days? The guy who has final say over the front office said, quote, no, it doesn't. The only thing I'm focused on is getting ready for Philadelphia. I don't know that that is an acceptable answer. Again, when you have the final say over the front office. Now, of course, he doesn't have to tell us what he's really thinking per se. But the but and and I and I'll I'll circle back to my my article. Well, actually, I'll just say it now. As I wrote in the article, that my I spoke to a bunch of people around the league, and there is a feeling out there that Washington is open for business, even with Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Um, it's not like a you know, they're just—it's not a giveaway. They're not just saying, "Hey, take whatever you want off the shelves." But if they find value, that they are open to um, to moving them. That is the belief of multiple sources around the league, including um, a GM or high-ranking front office official types. So, I had also been told that Washington had not been negotiating with 
uh, Sweat and Young on a long-term deal. And we all know if both of those guys hit free agency, it doesn't make realistic sense to bring them both back. If you're going to have John Allen and Deron Payne here, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The point is that you should be thinking about the trade deadline. And again, as, like we don't have an opportunity to ask the general manager, Martin Mayhew, much except like twice a year, like right before the season starts and like at the draft or free agency, something like that. So Rivera acts as the coach and effectively the front office. So I'm not going to make a, ca- a capital a capital case out of this or anything. Uh, but just saying he didn't, all he said was, no, it doesn't. We're on to Philadelphia. I don't know. Hoping for more there, but we didn't, but we didn't get it. Uh, in any event, again, go check out my article on the athletic. You know, my view is that the, from what I'm talking to people that they are open to trading those guys. And my, my basic premise for that story was, look, the, whatever happens in the Philly game should not dictate this. They need to be on a tool, a, a two track mind. You want to win this next game. Great. But you cannot let the future take a hit because you're trying to do this short-term situation when we have seen this team be unable to be consistent on any level this year and for really the most uh, of Ron Rivera's time here. So I think you have to make put the long-term vision in front, and if that means making a deal that again I don't I I don't have a feel for what the market is for these guys, but if there's a team out there willing to give you a third-round pick even if you're going to get a third round pick as a compensatory pick, it should they leave most likely that compensatory pick is 2025. A trade would presumably be for a 2024 pick. That's the type of thing you have to weigh. Um, you know, so we will see uh, about all of that. Um, all right. Uh, let me get some of your questions. I, I on Twitter at Ben standing. I, I asked earlier today, Hey, help me out here. I got some, I got Joe house coming on. Uh, I, I didn't tell you, didn't tell that to the audience, but I said, we got commanders, wizards. What do you got? I got a lot of good commanders questions that I want to get to here. Um, I'm going to skip this first one at Ben's life asked, which scenario gets us competitive sooner, find some rhythm on both sides of the ball of this year, finish 500 or so and see who's who you like to keep or trade key pieces, lose a lot more games and start a full rebuild. I think you guys know that in theory I would pick the second one, but Joe and I did discuss that, so we'll, we'll get to that one in a little uh, in a little bit. Um, at Hal Itzer six asked, does it make any sense whatsoever to try and trade John Allen? He's obviously unhappy. Uh, this is in reference to Allen's uh, post game uh, expletive filled. R- comments rant about how frustrated he is with everything that's gone on, not just this year, but over his career. Um, So he's obviously unhappy and everyone says we can't pay all four D DL. I don't know if everybody says that, but Ben standing does and has been for a long time. You guys know that. Uh, Could we move him and pay both on the edge? Allen is a captain and awesome, but no evidence that his presence fixes this team. I do think this is an interesting dynamic. I do think there is a world in which you could say could want, I mean, again, go back to the beginning of all this. The point was that it's not realistic asset allocation wise to pay all four of these guys and teams generally would rather pay more to edge rushers than interior linemen. Although the interior linemen, as we know, got a big boost over, 
uh, this last offseason, and it's you know not necessarily a uh, the gap isn't that big from the top top guys in terms of money, but at the same point, edge guys you'd still rather pay over defensive tackles. Now, here's the thing: John Allen's contract runs through 2025, right? However, his cap hit, like his cap hit this year, 2023, 32.5 million. His cap hit next year drops down to 12. Uh, it would be a, um, he, he has a uh, cap hit of 21.5. So there would be some savings there. Um, I don't know. I think it is. I, I think it's something to consider at least. Um, is that what you would do? I, I and, and to be clear, John Allen said today on with the sports junkies on 1067 the fan that he's still as frustrated as he was when he made those comments, but at the same time, he believes in Jack Del Rio and Ron Rivera and you know wants to do what he can to get this team going in the right direction. I uh you know, I think it's conceivable that they could move on from John Allen and keep those other two guys. But at the same point, I, I don't know that that makes a ton of sense. He, uh, I th- I do think, though, the rest of the season will be interesting. I have not watched the tape yet of this last game, but it does feel like Allen and Payne have been a bit more quiet over the last few weeks, while Chase Young in particular has really kind of stepped up. So uh, we'll see. I, I guess I would say, I think it's unlikely that you would move on from John Allen to keep both ends, but I don't think it's inconceivable. By the way, that's especially true if Fedarian Mathis or John Ridgway, I guess you could say, show enough to whoever is making decisions that they could step in and give you a a good enough approximation of what you get from Allen while getting some other um, either assets or, or, or using Allen's money for some other positions. Um, uh, at Kevin H728 asks, speculate on trade value for Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Jacoby Brissett. Uh, okay, so I, I, I'll I, be honest, I just don't know exactly what you're going to get. Uh, Chase Young's obviously, I would think, has increased his value because he has been, um, he's been giving you a lot of the pressure numbers you're looking for from edge rushers. I think there's still some undisciplined aspects of his approach, but nonetheless, his approach on the field, but nonetheless, he's obviously been pretty good. And Montez Sweat has been consistently a, 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 a good presence off the edge. I don't know that what that means, though. I, 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 would, I mean, I would imagine, again, if you're Washington, you have to get at least a third back, considering that's the compensatory um, return for the most part if they were to sign elsewhere. Um so I don't, you know, if is the question is, is there a contender out there who really wants a pass rusher and, and needs one and is willing to give you that um, third or, or whatever the, the hall may be? Um, so there's that. Okay, now as far as Brissett goes, this is the thing about the NFL. We look at some of these players as important or assets or starters in some cases, and yet I don't know that the return is like that exciting now he is a quarterback so that could be more but i i don't i still don't know if we're talking more than a late day three pick for a guy with an expiring contract who's viewed as a you know stopgap starter slash backup that said the cleveland browns uh continue to have issues at quarterback my colleague jason lloyd columnist uh based up in cleveland 
he wrote a story yesterday said the the Browns need quarterback help and Jacoby Brissett is the answer. Uh Brissett was there last year. Uh, you know, you've heard me say to me, Washington, if I'm Washington, I am looking to trade Jacoby Brissett. No fault of Jacoby Brissett, but I'm gonna commit to Sam Howe. I'm gonna take them, remove the temptation, and I'm gonna get an asset for a player who, again, if Howe plays the rest of the year, then what what what's going on? What, then Brissett just walks more or less for nothing. I understand if the commanders actually get on a, a bit of a run here and you trade how and he gets hurt, then who's the backup? What Jake from that wouldn't be great. But I, I, again, I'm putting the future ahead of the present as the way I look at it. So I would rather let, you know, even if Sam Howard to get hurt, you know, by the way, you can always go out and sign somebody else as well. I mean, I don't know, see what Chad Henney's up to. Um, guy who knows the enemy system or what have you. So that is that's what I would do uh there uh on that one. Um okay, another question from at A is for Arsenal. Have you seen any drop-off in standards or demands in practice since what seemed to be a fairly intense training camp? Obviously, we all talked a lot about hearing and seeing Eric Bieniemy out there. You could hear him from anywhere out on the field. Um, and obviously, it was discussed a lot. Ron Rivera made the comment that some of the players came to him and said, hey, uh, you know, it's kind of a kind of a wild ride we're getting here with Eric Bieniemy." And Rivera let us know that, and that, that became a story for a few minutes. So in general... It's a different vibe in training camp versus the season. In training camp, it is getting in shape mentally and physically for the grinding season. And therefore, it is going to be more intense. You're going to push these guys to see what they're made of, what they're capable of, get a better feel for what they can or can't do. During the season, especially now that we're into week six, week seven, week eight, it's about obviously fine-tuning what you're doing, but also not pushing these guys too too hard because they're getting beat up right i mean terry mclaurin john allen kendall fuller what have you they have all now played seven games um, they are it, it is getting to be um a grind for sure i mean in the eagles in the uh, Fal- uh falcons game they were at the defense is out there for over 80 snaps i mean that is a, a ton so you can't push them as much as you did in training camp so the intensity is not the same that said, I think one of the things we all try to do as reporters, like when we get out there during a week, is can we gauge the room? Can we gauge their mood? Are they feeling really confident after a win over the Falcons? Are they feeling really miserable down after a loss like the one they just had to the Giants? Trying to always get that room. And, it, you know, people are ultimately people. I mean, they're not robots. Like when they were in the locker room when we're there, they're, they're talking to their coworkers. They're having they're having some fun, which is totally reasonable. Okay, they're, they're they don't have to be, you know, Sunday serious at every minute of the day. But when you're out on the field, though, it does feel like even if it's a practice, there's a different type of vibe because this is now you're actually at your job per se. Um, it, it I don't want to say it has felt less intense, but it does sometimes feel like. Let it, I guess it kind of does feel let. And now we only see part of practice. Okay, we see like four periods, which is maybe a total of like twenty minutes. A good chunk of that is like some basic stretching. We only see a real small amount of the position groups, and then we get kicked out. So I can't say for sure 
what what goes on in practice, whereas at training camp we see everything. But it is it is just less intense by nature, and it just has been as well. So I'm not saying that's a negative, but it has been less intense. We're not, you know, none of us are tweeting about Eric Bieniemy getting fired up. Maybe he still does when we're not there, but he that's not happening when we're there. So it's hard to completely answer that. But it is just simply a less intense scenario by by definition, and uh, maybe a little bit just in general as uh, as well. Um, okay, here's a here's one. Uh, a underscore process asks. With Sadiq likely out, his terms could be. Would you add Lucas at right tackle and push Wiley to left guard? Um, I don't think they will, but view this as getting the best five healthy O linemen on the field. I, I talked about this earlier. I think it's definitely interesting. I think it's something you've got to consider. I mean, whatever it is that they're doing across on both sides of the ball is not working as intended. And to continue to say, well, no, we're committed to this group or these players at these whatever roles you know what's the definition of insanity repeating some repeating something and thinking you get a, a different result i mean i do think at some point they need to make some changes the offensive line is the most logical one to make now if charles is out and they just want to plug and play in chris paul and call it a day okay well we'll see but to get lucas on the field i think you would move wiley to guard I, 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 you know, I'm not Joe Bugle, but I would, I would be interested in that. I, I think that's a reasonable consideration, knowing that Lucas has been, you know, he's not great, but he's solid certainly in the short term, and uh, you know, maybe Wiley at guard ends up just being a better deal, less exposed, all that stuff. Uh, let me see here. Okay, last one here at Skins Universe Eight wants to know, while this team arguably should move players. B- before the trade deadline to build for the future, why would Rivera do so in a must-win season for him? If so, would you guess that Josh Harris overrides Ron and pushes for some future-oriented moves? Well, the Josh Harris part of this is is easily the most fascinating for me. We we know about the process. I've talked about the process. I I, I find the process, the mentality behind it, fascinating. Um, And it did work by and large, even if people don't understand that it did. Philly's been a 50-win team for but five years in a row because of one of those guys, and that's the point. You take keep taking shots, and hopefully you get lucky with some, with some draft picks. But the question about, while, you know, about why would Rivera do this, right? So when Rivera is saying that Sam Howell, that the, they have developed, they're developing this young quarterback, they found this young quarterback, well, what does that mean? It isn't just this season. How has two years left? If he's the real starter, then he'll be starting. And you've got a young, cheap quarterback. So that's about the future. So he's already talking about the future. And as I said before, I think his best bet for convincing ownership to stay, I think at this point would be that, hey, we're on the same page. I recognize that Sam is interesting. We're not going to try to force this thing. We want to develop him, have a cheap quarterback that we can, therefore we can spend money on other pieces. Um, And that is why, if you're going to look at that, that is why trading some pieces away for the future actually is in line with that. I know, I totally get it. The idea of, well, if you're losing games, that may be a bad way to go. Being around 500 is not going to be any better. They would have to win a lot more games than we've seen right now. And as we know, the schedule was only going to get harder now. This past three games is where they needed to make hay. 
That didn't really happen. They went one and two against the Bears, Giants, and Fal- Bears, Falcons, and Giants. Now Eagles are up next. Road games against the Patriots and Seahawks, and then there's other games against the Dolphins. Niners two against the Cowboys. It's a lot harder schedule. So I don't know where this team is going, even if they just stay intact. But I do know that if you get future assets and you develop Sam Howell, you're helping yourself more in the future. And to me, that would make a lot of sense. So I think that's why I don't look at it as why would Rivera do this? I look at it as kind of what if you're going to keep talking about Sam Howell developing, then that actually is in line with that, assuming that that vision is real and not just a talking point. Take that for what it's worth. Um, all right, let's do this. It is uh, time to talk to Joe House. Always one of my favorite guests. Um, intelligent thinker, funny guy. Uh, of course, again, you can find Joe House at House from DC on Twitter, all over the Ringer uh, and part of the Ringer's uh, Football Sunday show on FanDuel TV. Uh, so let's get to it right now. My conversation with Joe House. Here on the stand, oh, we're talking about commanders and wizards. Let me not forget the wizards. I would do that right now here on the standard room only podcast. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, as promised, joining me here, he's I think he's becoming like the face, the fan face of DC sports. I mean, he's kind of the guy, not only does he talk about the Wizards and uh, all the time over on uh, the Ringer, uh, not only is he uh, a, a, a lifelong Commanders fan, but apparently, from what I see, he is a part of Mayor Bowser's staff or something, trying to get the, the Commanders to RFK or something like that. He is, of course, Joe House. uh What's the deal here? Are you are are, are you are you on the the staff trying to get the team there? I see you on with like with David Chang, Mayor Bowser. I mean, congrats! I didn't realize you were uh, you know moving into politics. Well, I'm definitely not moving into politics. I am very much committed to the idea of getting the football team back to its heritage, its roots, its legacy, the place where all of our glory was realized um you understand that mayor bowser thing in her uh in inimitable fashion was a reclip of the the amazon thursday night football broadcast i don't know whether or not she paid royalties i did not get a a chili dog out of it ben standing but you know uh Amazon continues to innovate. So as part of their Thursday night football games now, they have hired my good pal and DMV area native, uh, David Chang, 
to participate in some of their Thursday night broadcasts and talk about the food scene in these various cities. The very first one of these was right here, the DMV. We had a great meal together with Daryl Green and Doug Williams, and Dave went around talking to uh, you know, the, the 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 fan base. He talked to some some hogettes. He talked to former cheerleaders. Um, he met with 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 Mayor Bowser, and uh, of course, I invited myself into this because I'll do anything for a free shrimp cocktail. But um, the mayor's office just repurposed the conversation that we had with um, Doug Williams and Daryl Green, who you'll be shocked to hear were very much supportive of the idea of getting the football team back to the RFK campus uh obviously we need, it needs a, a fresh stadium for the team to play in but it makes too much sense so uh mayor the the opportunism out of the mayor's office that that feels you know um that rings true to me ben all right so let's a uh, lot lots uh, lot to unpack here first of all so i i watch the games on amazon but i have not like uh I tend to come in at some point. I'm not sure. Like start, my, I don't really do the pregame show. A lot. So you're on like every week on the pregame show? No, just the Washington one. Oh, Chang, Washington Chang, one. Chang's going around. Yeah, he's oh. meeting with like locals. He and Andrew Whitworth did some eating in, in uh, New Orleans this past week because Whitworth went to LSU. So he has some of those Louisiana, Louisiana roots. Whitworth, who was on the Thursday night football broadcast, you know, extolling the virtues of, of New Orleans. That made perfect sense. They got together with some other native new orleans folks and as he goes around to these various destinations he's experiencing the culture of the city the vibrant you know uh, um energy of the city through the food which is a yeah. pretty common way of doing these things right where, where did you guys eat we were so we we went to og places it was um old Abbott, and then it was martin's tavern and only because the florida avenue grill is only open on weekends over to Ben's because Ben's to me now feels like a, a cliche. I I wouldn't really push people right. there for anything other than going and visiting the site and understanding that, you know, it has a prominent place in the history of, of DC, but it's not a place to go. You get the milkshakes are great. I'll just leave it at that. I don't, I don't need to be negative on this podcast. Positive no, no. energy only. Right, yeah. we have so, right. No, I, I, the, the, we're only going to be positive today. You know, there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing to be negative about. Um, First of all, that is all very cool. Uh, okay, so you you go to you go to dinner, Daryl Green and Doug Williams because of who they are, what what they represent, totally makes sense. Faces of the franchise, all that stuff. But Doug Williams is actually employed by the Washington Commanders. So when you say that Doug Williams is pro RFK, perhaps did you think that that was a I don't know, uh, a little little, little little nugget there to drop on behalf of, say, a, a new owner of the team. Is that something uh, you, you took from that? Well, I, I would say I've I've had the good fortune of being in the audience, watching the new owners talk about, you know, their 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 goals for the franchise and ultimately, you know, what what they, they'd like to see happen. Doug didn't do anything other than sort of parrot the line that the the ownership group um has been sharing which is if we could figure out a way to get back to rfk wouldn't that be the best possible answer i mean he did not get to himself out in, in a uh, uncomfortable place uh and and those guys you know the funny 
funny enough, I think Magic Johnson has been the most strident on on sort of all aspects of the the direction of the franchise, from the name to you know the the, the coaching regime to you know where, where it ought to to you know where the games ought to be played. Um, Ma- Magic is the one I think we need to look to, Ben. Oh, look! Every game now, especially when they lose. Here are the things that we're all doing post-game. We're thinking, okay, what angle do I want to write about? What am I going to ask Ron Rivera? And has Magic Johnson tweeted yet? I promise you, (laughs) yesterday, everybody was like, has he tweeted yet? No. And then, like, when he did tweet and said something something to the effect of seven points just isn't enough, good point, um, people were like, oh, I already filed my story. Like, what are we doing here? Um, So, yeah, no, Magic, yeah, it's interesting that Magic Johnson is the uh, one. All right, well, look, I mean, the fact that you're, again, you're, you're hobnobbing with these people. It, it is quite the journey. Like, I don't know what year was the first time you were on with Simmons on his podcast, but could you imagine if I had told you prior to that that you would be on a national, a pregame show of a national football game in which you're talking to these players, the mayor of D.C., uh, and and part of the discussion is about where the, where the team would be. I mean, that is quite the journey for a young man from the DMV. I, I agree. Um, it's not lost on me. I'm, I'm very, uh, uh, I'm humbled and honored by by the entire um, journey. On the other hand, dream big, right? Like, you know, anything is, is possible. I invited myself to the White House, for Christ's sakes, Ben. For wait, for what was that for? That was uh, when, when um, the podfather, Bill Simmons, was interviewing President Obama, uh, you know, eight to 10 years ago, I definitely invited myself in to observe that um, interview. Wow. I, I look, your book is going to be really fun whenever you get around to that. By the way, uh, you are the official definition of a delusional Wizards fan. If you think that anything is possible, how about them winning 50 games? You think that's possible? In our I lifetime? do not. I right. do not. Okay, I do not good. think that that's possible. All right. If you had said it's yes, it's only I been w- forty nine years. Nineteen seventy eight. What's the? How many years yeah. is that now? Forty. Uh, whatever. More. Uh, not forty nine. But more than my fingers and toes will allow me to count. Okay. <laughs> good. For a moment there, I thought maybe this was a double, and you were like the, uh, you know, you you were you were a, a rogue uh, Joe House. Um. All right. We'll get to the Wizards in a sec. Got a couple questions, and obviously we're going to talk about some NBA stuff. Uh, Joe did uh, a really good job talking about. Uh, by the way, it's just weird to call you Joe. Am I supposed to call you House at all times? You can call me House. You yeah, can, I call, you, I'll call you. You're, you're, it's fine. Yeah, okay. So you were you and Simmons and Rosillo did the whole NBA preview through the prism of NBA over-unders. I want to get to that because I think they were really mean to you uh, uh, with regards to the Wizards. All right. Um, so the Commanders, here we are, more or less the midway point of the season. Uh, they are three and four. If you look at it from like a 30,000-foot view, yeah, three and four kind of where they've been over the last few years assume it's a similar journey that they've been on you know sam hallow it looks promising uh that said does it feel promising does it feel similar or does it feel uh we're talking the day after they lose to the one in five giants which is three weeks after they lose to the zero and four bears i'm like leading the witness here how does it feel uh at, at three and four this time it 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 feels promising and the reason it feels promising is because the team isn't owned by dan snyder so this three and four is one of my favorite three and fours of the past 25 years it's an amazing three and four it is exactly the identity the 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 core concept the core construct of this team i mean if you told me at the beginning of the season through seven games they will be three and four i say sure that, that's great. On pace for 
one of my favorite wagers in advance of the NFL season, which was the Washington football team getting over six and a half wins. So then they need four more wins out of these remaining uh, 10 games, right? I think that, that that feels reasonable enough. What they've demonstrated to us, which is very consistent with the identity of the team over these years, they can beat really anybody, including the Eagles in Philadelphia. And they can lose to anybody, as, as demonstrated by the losses to the Bears and, and, and yesterday's loss to the Giants. So, you know, right on brand as far as I'm concerned. You know, I'm obviously so in the weeds on all this. And because even when I interact with fans, especially like on Twitter, they're also very much in the weeds of all this. And I'm aware that Dan Snyder no longer owns the team, of course. But I remember like when that all went down and the, and the season starts and like you're out at training camp and fans show up in, in in numbers far greater than they had before and you're like and my basic take was it almost doesn't matter what happens this year i think people will be happy but then the season happens he just uh, has to point himself then the season happens and i'm like oh boy here we go again you know uh, but like yes it's a good reminder that for many out there it no matter what it is is all it's all gravy Th- does the fact that harris you know they only got they only took over the team basically right as training camp was starting that knowing that whatever it means, whether they stay status quo or they change everything, that something is going to happen here in the next few months. And that could you know, reshape this whole thing that is finally out from under, you know, what's his name? Yeah, sure. So um, it wasn't like a, a, a secret that this team arriving at the beginning of the 2023-2024 season had one of the three worst offensive lines in football. And it wasn't a secret that Ron Rivera was on the hot seat and that this is a make-or-break year for him. And it's not a secret that Jack Del Rio, with all of the talent on the defensive side of the ball, better show some defensive capacity. Like, these were all the known elements as we arrived in this season. The the biggest unknown is this kid, Sam Howe, can he be an NFL quarterback? And through seven games, I would say yes. I think he can be an NFL quarterback, not under the current circumstances, not under the current coaching staff, and we don't know exactly what the relationship is, what the diagram looks like in terms of what uh, – Coach Bienemy is doing in concert with you know the, those above him, but you know um, the the ultimate sort of fortune of the franchise. If you subscribe to your, this version of the NFL where the quarterback is the most important position, he looks like a viable quarterback to me. He makes throws m- m- like very good throws that T- Taylor Heineke definitely could not make that Carson Wentz did not make. Um, and he, he's definitely uh, a kid with poise. He's willing to stand in the pocket and get blasted, which, you know, to suggest that, that you know, maybe we ought to think about um, putting in percent at some point along the way here because 40 sacks at some point, um, you know, the, 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 he's not the biggest guy on the field. At some point, there is a price to pay for him out there just taking the beating. But, I, I mean, it's a positive answer, I think, that we've gotten – in, in terms of how we can quibble about, you know, um, the game planning and how long he holds on to the ball and how many of the sacks 
he himself is responsible for. Those are like reasonable enough criticisms, but it was it's a bottom three offensive line. You have to scheme around some kind of max protect thing for him um, to have give him any chance at all. And we have these these weapons outside in the form of, of McLaurin and you know Logan Thomas can catch the football. Jahan Dotson was supposed to be a breakout candidate this year. He he didn't he hasn't broken out so far. But uh, you know, we want to see how with his arm, he looks pretty good uh, a bunch of times, like a bunch of consecutive 300 yard games. But who the hell knows when he's when he's running for his life on on one out of uh, every three plays, right? Oh no, a hundred percent. I mean, forty sacks is insane. And you're right, even if, as we discussed, like even if a, a good chunk of them are on him holding the ball too long, whatever. Okay, that's part of the developmental situation, and you just right. got to figure out how to help him out of it. Um, I, we both watched the uh, the Giants game. You know, he's taking sacks in every single game, a ton of them. Most of the time, it's sort of like I always picture, like you know, he's like the the young kid, and you're teaching him the ropes. Okay, when you walk outside, look both ways before you cross the street. Sometimes you got to have somebody hold your hand. It's all fine. Yesterday, it felt like the Commanders brought their child to the bar and Roadhouse, and we're like, okay, <laughs> good good luck, kid. Yeah, <laughs> try not to get hit by a flying glass, buddy. Right. I mean, it was like insane. I, I haven't I, I haven't looked yet to see what the his time to throw was, but whatever it was, it felt like a tsunami almost, especially in the first half, just constantly at him. It was I, I it was jarring to watch that yesterday. It was a Giants defense that does what it does. It's the exact same thing every year. They blitz. It's Wink Martindale. All they do is blitz, 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 blitz. Like we don't have a game plan for that. Did you need more time between handling Atlanta last week and this Giants game to anticipate that Wink Martindale is going to blitz on? 75% now I'm overstating it, but like what's, wait. what's the shock here? What's the surprise? Like, you know, wait, can, the Golden State, this... yeah, the Golden State Warriors are going to shoot threes. What? <laughs> right. Right. Like what, what, what are we doing? Um, so I, I'm sure there's some X's and O's explanation for, you know, trying to establish the run and that didn't go well. And, you know, reasons why um, the game plan against Atlanta that had him getting rid of the ball in two and a half seconds, why that wasn't, uh, successful or applicable kind of game plan. I'm I'm sure folks are in the weeds doing that, but you know, um, it really took extraordinary things. It felt like to get the ball into Terry McLaurin's hands. He finally, you know, we got six catches for 90 yards, right? Uh, eventually, eventually, yes. <laughs> but you know, yeah, not- yeah. Yesterday was only I think it was only the second first half or maybe the second half of either half where he didn't have a single catch. Uh that that and only one target. It's not like they were like throwing. That's it to the him problem. Just, yeah. It's the target, right? Yeah, I it, it I I keep saying this. It's like the the coaches that typically drive me crazy. And look, in fairness, we never quite know what the play calls are. So who knows? But in general, the coaches who's like, this is what I want to do in a given game, uh, and and they don't like, they try to like almost like outsmart everybody. Like just sort of this is what we do. We're not going to shift all the time for the opponent. Like stay with what we do. The week before, McLaurin gets a ton of targets in the first quarter. This game, one in the first half. Yet, yeah, I mean, that's just that can't that just cannot, um, cannot happen. Um, l- let me connect the two sports here. The you're I don't know if you're in my head. You're more of an NBA guy. The and we talk a lot about the Wizards over the years. Like, hey, you got to trade Bradley Beal. Start this thing over. They obviously finally did that now that doesn't happen as much in the nfl like maybe the zero and six panthers will start dumping but 
you know, the commanders at three and four are still in the mix. So the question is, I guess, does your NBA brain think, hey, they need to sort of refresh this thing? You have a young quarterback, just focus on the future. Or do you think, no, 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 no. You, you can make the playoffs. I'm a fan. I want wins. Just keep going for it. Um, I, With, by I the think... way, this trade deadline is the 31st. That's kind of why I'm asking. Yeah, so my view with this Washington team, it's it's a team in in transition, and it was in transition last year as well. Which you know, to 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 the credit of of the coaching staff, honestly, getting eight wins with the with the personnel uh, on last year's team um, really felt like an enormous achievement. But that's not going to be satisfactory for the new ownership group, and it shouldn't be satisfactory. I mean, if you want to reinvigorate the area and get everybody behind the team again you have the nice bump the 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 outpouring of support and joy sheer joy to have daniel snyder and his cynical money grubbing approach to to running the team out of the picture um you know the sellout with arizona was a great start but the only way to really capture the imagination of this area is to put a winner on the field and we're not going to see that um potential with the current coaching regime i don't think and and i also hold marty mayhew in in high esteem because of his role um with the super bowls that that i rooted for as a kid but i don't know about any of the personnel that were holdover personnel from the snyder era i think the fresh look that's coming that to me is is the moment to start really harboring aspirations and ambitions the problem is the defense is good right now and they've spent money on the defense and they have to continue to spend money to preserve the defense. And by good right now, I mean, the talent is there. I think hack Del Rio, it would have been fine with me if he got fired, you know, during the 10 day interim period after the bears loss. there's, he's just so frequently unprepared. It's, it's a defense that just there, I think they're the worst defense in the league in terms of giving up explosive plays. How can that be possible with the personnel that we have? Are we our own selves overestimating this personnel? Do we are we are we drinking our own Kool-Aid? Is that the, the problem? Um, or is it a scheme issue, which is really my suspicion, and you know, the inability to be creative and meet these NFL offenses where they deserve to be met, um, especially with the pressure that we should be able to bring up front and, and do bring up front i mean that the chase young reintroduction welcome back chase it looks wonderful except it doesn't translate in into anything meaningful wins or loss wise under this current system this scheme this regime so next season let's start talking seriously about you know personnel upgrades playoff ambition this is not the season for it from my own humble uh, perspective the, 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 the point you just made about like Chase Young has played played well this year. I mean, it's really hard to argue, at least in terms of the, the sack pressure numbers. I think he's still a little undisciplined in some spots, but okay. Um, but it is like when people say, well, you got to keep these guys, all that. I'm like, okay, well, you have them now. And I know Chase has been hurt prior to this year, but you have them all now. And here they are. And the line is, the line's been good. Like, I'm good. not saying they've been bad. It's just to what end? Like you're not, you know, you're not, uh, where's it going? And, uh, you know, it's sort of like the way we, again, we keep always talking about the wizards. Yeah. Okay. I get it. But like Bradley Bill, like they're, they're in the, they're, you're trying to get the playing game. Like, what is the point here of spending all the money? And that's why I do think, and I wrote about it, uh, today that like, 
what whatever they are trying to accomplish for this year, they need to sincerely think about trading some of these guys, including Young or Sweat, because you're not keeping them both. And like, why why would you? Uh, unless there's like a yeah, why would you? Especially you don't have a quarterback yet. You got to spend on that guy at some point. Assuming I mean, maybe Sam Howell's the answer, but until that's proven, you can't pot commit your money everywhere else, especially the one spot. To to what end? To to, to see your point. So we can go eight and nine. Like, is that is that the goal? I mean, you know, if you want to spend the money now on guys now, um, and allocate it that way and get eight wins, then 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 fine. But that's not what's going to be the ultimate goal, which is reconnecting this franchise to this community and, you know, realizing the true potential of what this franchise could be once again back at the RFK campus and having the entire uh, community reconnect to, to a winning franchise. If that's the goal, then everybody is tradable. There's nobody that's not tradable. There are all fungible parts, including Terry McLaurin, who I absolutely love, is still my uh, Twitter X machine avatar. Um, I, I hear everybody in theory should be uh, should be tradable, although the revolt if they traded McLaurin or Tressway, uh, I think would be uh, would be would be a little tough. Um, have you been to the FedEx field campus yet uh, this season? No. Good God, no, no, absolutely Says, not. Well, the, the, well, look again. Why would you? You are a member of the Mayor Bowser staff, so why would you go to Maryland for watch a game? I, I, w- I, you know, I, I don't mean to be so dismissive. I would have gone to the Thursday night game. I just had uh, another commitment, but the schedule this year, it's all one o'clock games because we don't have, you know, the the stature to be in any um, national televised games except for that Thursday night game, and I can't go to one o'clock games. I can only make it for the second half because you know i'm on the rigor doing the rigor wise guys every sunday morning on FanDuel tv 11 a.m please check it out if you're uh somebody that's interested in the, the the dabbling in the gambling arts um so i i i finished that show at 12 30 i can't i can only get to the second half of a football game this year ben it's a tough life being a tough life a, a, a multimedia uh star <laughs> um well, well, let me go back to this. I, I'm not so much arguing again about any of the stadium sites per se, but you clearly are all in on FedEx. Oh, sorry, on the RFK site, which obviously I get it from the, all the nostalgia reasons, all that. You are a DC resident, correct? I am. Yes, okay. I've lived in Washington DC longer than any other place since I've been alive. Okay, so to that end, so you are an actual taxpayer and all that stuff. True. So to that end. Here's been my take as a as a non DC, was born in DC but don't live in DC. Well, whether I pay taxes, that's a whole other story. Okay, <laughs> so my 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 wonder is like I totally get you know Capital One completely transformed Chinatown. I know there's some post COVID concerns and their office buildings, but okay, hopefully the world at large. I was to drive around Bethesda today and I was noticing how many empty stores there are. So there's a lot of issues like that else everywhere. And obviously, Nats Park, same thing. I mean, the only reason anybody went over to that part of D.C. was like, well, it was like some strip clubs and like, I don't even know. It was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, sure. Okay. Anyway, the, I never actually went to anything, but it was like the part of town you're like, you got to go over there. You need a tetanus shot first kind of yes, deal, right? I mean, yes, like, yes. Okay. So that's been transformed. I don't know that I see that happening with the RFK site because there's such a big residential space between the RFK site and Capitol Hill, at least at Cap One and 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 uh, the Navy Yard, those things were essentially connected 
to the other parts of the city. They just weren't developed. I don't know if I see that here. Then you factor in, you know, 10 or so playoff game, 10 or so NFL games at most over course of a year. Uh, sure. You can tell me that Taylor Swift shows up, whatever, but uh, you know, to some degree, if you, if she goes there, then they're not going to Nats park or so you're taking away from that. I, I don't know that I see it purely as an economic reason. If I'm a DC resident to, to want it, you tell me, it sounds like you would be the opposite of that view. Well, I, I think that there is a vision of this, uh, a version of this, both a vision and a version, where you're doing a multi-use, I use the word campus deliberately, right? Because you have uh, already built-in infrastructure in terms of bringing people in from both Maryland and Virginia. You have a metro site that 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 could easily be be bolstered and then the sheer amount of, of land that's available if you you did mixed use with some combination of residences of retail of shops of office who could have imagined navy yard the fastest growing portion of the city over the last decade it's not uh uh up for debate but the combination of navy yard and the and, and the investment in the wharf what you have now goes from Buzzard Point along the Anacostia River and runs all the way up the river, connecting each of these places. RFK is the next logical site, portion of the city, to be connected along this continuum. To me, I think the, the development of the Southwest and the Southeast as you know places for that have been underutilized, um, underexposed, underserved, I think that there is a, a version of building out that RFK campus where you where 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 people um, can be incented to come in, it's not just you know stepping on the residents um, that already live there, but enhance what's available to them, enhance their their community, enhance their footprint with a footprint that connects that whole portion of of the city. I promise you that the mayor has not said any of these things to me. I'm not out here doing chamber of commerce stuff. But it makes a lot of sense. I think that there is a, a sort of logic to it. And wouldn't it behoove the new ownership group to take credit for all of that, right? For, for like being, yes, we're the guys who really understood the the ethos, what 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 was driving the this region's interest in that football team for that entire era that all of us grew up in, multiple Super Bowls, lots of visits to the playoffs. Real civic pride coming from the city around that that team, and it's a one of one kind of civic pride. Football trumps everything, so uh, it feels like I just did a commercial for Mayor Bowser, and I promise you that was not my goal or intention. But I do think that there's a, a way to do this, and for the new ownership group um, to take some credit for it. I should have told Kyle to turn on the TikTok camera before you said all that, <laughs> so Mayor Bowser could could uh, tweet out that video. Uh, we have the video. Yeah, no, I hear you. I mean, uh, very good points. I it's like I said, like I, I I've been saying. I think if I had to put my money down, I would take the points and put it on Maryland because it's sure. the incumbent. It um, is, and and they are already committed to. It. I still question if the DC in uh, local government is all is is willing to put the money up and all that kind of stuff. But uh, and I what, I believe me, I totally get 
the 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 folks who are skeptical about allocating city resources and diverting the notion that any resources we diverted away from critical underserved programs here in the city like safety like schools like I, that that is not uh at the at, at part of of my argument i think the ownership group needs to step up with its own financial commitment and that's another way to really ingratiate themselves, to demonstrate that this is a regime not like the previous regime that was trying to charge you 50 bucks to go park in that garbage stadium and try and have a hot dog and a tailgate before you could go into the into the thing um, to watch the loser team lose. This is a radically different deal. So um, there's a way to, to do this that doesn't have to come at the expense of, of critical city services, in my humble way of thinking. All right, before we pivot to the Wizards, uh, last question. House has a bunch of jerseys behind him. Uh, Elvin Hayes, Manu Ball, Clinton Porter. Is that a Riggins jersey? Uh, no, I, Steve, I have Stephen Davis Steve, over there. Oh, Stephen Davis, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right, so all retired players. So here's the question. If you were, uh, if, if somebody came to the House consulting firm and said, hey, I'd like to get my kid a jersey from somebody actually on the team, if your default's going to be Terry McLaurin, then pick somebody else. Okay. But, so, okay, we're saying Terry McLaurin. But who else would you pick? What would your criteria be for somebody else? Because obviously they haven't been that good, but there's some good players, but you never know. You know, you don't want to buy the jersey. Like we saw at the game yesterday in New York, somebody had a Carson Wentz jersey, which I don't know how drunk you were to get that. Well, that's for irony purposes, right? I I, I get the charm of that. That's funny. That's a funny I, jersey. Well, well, then they took the Wentz jersey and taped over it and put Fromm on it. <laughs> that now that's funny. That is funny. That's good. Good job by whoever that fan was. I like their sense of humor. All right. So that said, you pick anybody on the team. You can be funny. You can be serious. What would your consulting uh, c- consultant's uh, opinion be on what jersey somebody should invest in for themselves for their kid? So yeah, you, ha- you have to remember for for kids. Kids are front runners. So that you want to be able to tell your kid, this is this guy is an, an, an all star. This is a perennial Pro Bowler, and also it has the benefit of of like way on the back, you know, way that 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 says something. So that would be my my go to would be the punter. It would be Tress Way. He has you know the the best sense of humor on the team. He's one of the most you know sort of public personalities. Uh, on the team i wouldn't i i like um a lot of the defensive linemen but i don't i'm worried that that none of any about any of them being around long enough um to to make a mark so if you won't let me have mclaurin that i have to go with the next best guy and that's tress way all right i uh look there's no argument he's basically at this point a like you could have his jersey as like an old timer guy. He's played long enough. It's pretty safe. Tressway is not going to end up end up on TMZ. Uh, it you doesn't know. seem like it. No, and whether like I said, whether he plays another one year or five years, the legacy is 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 there. So all right, I I like I like where your where your head's at on that. Um, I I don't think I could ask you this. Oh, well, I think on the Wizards there's only one answer. Uh, and that would be Bilal Kulabali because everybody else at this point, they're, 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 what it would say on their back of their jersey is asset because I don't think anybody <laughs> right. else is definitely long for this world. But we're, we're in this post Bradley Beal, uh, Tommy Shepard, the same situation that had been going on forever. Uh, How is your sense of optimism? I'm not even talking about this year per se, but just the idea that, hey, 
it's new. It's different. We get to look at something else. How how are you feeling about that? I I'm ec- ecstatic. We've only been begging it on it. I mean, how many times have I come on your show and criticized the previous management? Now, ultimately, you've you've really been the one um, that's that shed the most light on this for me, and really convinced me that at at the heart of it, the ultimate culprit is 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 Leonsis himself, because he has been satisfied with a mediocre team that had the the you know as its goal trying to fight its way into the play-in and catch just one round of playoff um, money you know because that 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 money goes straight to the bottom line but you know not not spend um otherwise and you know i i argued on here i don't years ago for years we were begging for them to not re-up beal to not do that contract and not only did they do that contract right in our face but they put a no trade clause in it ensuring that the return would be its absolute worst so and i honestly i feel bad for tommy shepherd because i don't think that they really gave him a choice in in that matter i don't think that he might have gone in to the you know the the ownership group and said look my recommendation as a basketball guy would be to pivot away from this, we'll never know because Tommy's a professional. He's going to work in this industry for a long time. So he's not going to say anything bad about Leontis. He's not going to undermine the decision making, but it didn't make any sense at the time. It still doesn't make any sense. And now that they're out from under that, then everything's possible. The guys that they have brought in, in, in Winger and, and, and Dawkins, guys from franchises that that have uh, lots of experience with rebuilding with targeting the kind of young talent that you can build around and repositioning repivoting the franchise towards some genuine success not the mediocre middle so i'm thrilled with with where we are right now um you know my one of my arguments always was like if like if ted was making decisions based on box office so to speak and like he, he you know he keeps trying to like make the playoffs i remember once he, he very famously said he makes more told bloggers who were annoying him that he makes more money in one playoff game than they will in their whole lives um but that from a basketball perspective that's getting everybody nowhere but i also said like people get it if you assemble a young team with some exciting pieces people will get behind that and look i think kyle kuzma and jordan pool together is gonna be like you know nick young on steroids to some degree but you know what it's going to be crazy fun as long as you go into the season. If you if you're dreaming of the playoffs, please don't do that. Accept it for what it is. This is a funhouse version of an NBA team, and these two dudes are going to chuck up the ball all the time from everywhere. And from that perspective, it's going to be hilarious and fun to see when they get hot and when they completely are delusional with where they're at. And I'm all in for for both of that. In relative to where this has been the last few years of just hitting your head on the ceiling of like 40 wins maybe well for, first of all i'm not shocked to hear um your 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 concept there because you and i see the world the same way uh that is absolutely my version of why this team is going to be entertaining it's going to be capital e entertaining we literally saw the high and the low last week in the preseason <laughs> jordan Poole went off against the knicks it was super fun to watch I loved him talking all the trash. His own teammates. I mean, we already had our first viral moment of the season with Denny Abdia absolutely flabbergasted that he can't get an open look 
but JP was doing JP. Well, I need a, a good Jordan Poole um, nickname, by the way. We'll do that. Uh, you need to to help me um, brainstorm on that. And then the very next night, they go get housed, absolutely slaughtered. Not the very next night, but the next game they played against Toronto, who ran them off the floor. And, you know, Poole had a bad game, and, and that's the, the way it went. But this is conscience-free basketball. These will be guys, everybody who, who gets a shot now, Tyus Jones, it's not in his interest to be that way. And ultimately, wherever he lands, he needs to be the guy that he's demonstrated himself to be. Consummate professional distributor sets up the offense and then lets the guys, you know, go um, take take advantage of their best situation. So I think that that's what we'll get out, out of him. Um, but yeah, Kuz and, and Poole, let him cook. It's fine. I think it's going to be fun. I'm just thinking this really quick. You know, what, what obviously you could do some fun things with pool, but thinking about it in the context of DC, you know, since he's, I guarantee, I, I haven't covered Jordan Poole per se, so I don't know about his personality. But based on how he plays, I imagine there'll be times where people say, "Hey, what's going on?" He's like, "He'll be like, ah, oh, I don't worry about this. I got this. Yeah, we'll be fine." And then maybe the occasional time he gets a steal or something, he gets in a passing lane. So what about in in connecting to DC? We go with not reflecting pool but deflecting pool. Well, he, he's got to show the first iota of commitment to, to defense before I'm willing to go that well, way. That, but also like deflecting, like, yeah, I'm not going to deflect all the negative vibes because <laughs> I want to keep shooting no matter what. I, I mean, the, the the guy who who I would like to build that sort of defensive notion around, I understand the deflecting thing, but Koulibaly, I, I mean, the guy, he looks like he has the same wingspan as, as Wemby. They were teammates together. He has poise. He's not afraid. He played with men in France. He's not given any indication that he's overwhelmed by um, this version of the NBA. I can't. I really, really hope that he gets some run this year and that we get to see him. Let him grow up and make some mistakes on the NBA stage would be my impassioned argument uh, for, for Koulibaly. But look, Koulibaly and DeLon Wright on the floor at the same time, those two guys – you know, I made the joke uh, on the on the Simmons podcast. Delon Wright gets his hands on more balls than than the Card than the Kardashians. I mean, he he is all over the place, uh, and and at the very highest marks and ranks in terms of of deflections and and uh, you know in, in, inducing steals. Those two guys could be interesting. It's like there's a lot of experimentation that should happen that should be fun to watch this year. That's the way I'll put it. I'm, I think that the Koulibaly pick, look, well, obviously we'll see what happens, but I think the Koulibaly pick all, by itself shows the difference between what was happening before the Beal trade and since, because all the other recent draft picks, they all were like, all right, I mean, maybe, but like you're, it's like you, you drafted a guy to be at best like the seventh man. Koulibaly, I mean, you know, he it's could really, be able to, yeah, yeah, his like, ceiling is the, way this, higher. Johnny Davis. Bilal Koulibaly, like enough said, right? Do we have to belabor it? Do we have to have any more conversation around it? Right, like in to, to use like DC uh, uh, housing uh, uh, analogy here. It's like uh, Koulibaly is the house. Johnny Davis is that a basement apartment you make below it. We're like, eh, you know, something goes on <laughs> down there. I don't want to look at it anymore. Uh, yeah, oh, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited for Koulibaly. You know, look, I don't, you know, it'll be ups and downs. His shot needs some work. But, I mean, I, I can see many nights where he's getting, you know, eight points on just, like, fast breaks, then, like, four steals, four right. rebounds, uh, being active. 
And uh, yeah, I mean, and like also like let him play through mistakes. Like I, I like don't uh, like I think like back in the day when like Chris Singleton they drafted him, the one of the mistakes seemed clearly that they made was they said like off the bat, okay, here go guard Carmelo Anthony one on one. We'll we'll see you later. And then it was like ah, and then and then his career vanished. Then the yeah. next year they brought in a bunch of vets to play over him, and then it was really over. Right. Let cool and then Scott Brooks kept doing the same thing. Like Ron Baker is playing over Troy Brown, whatever. Let him play, let him develop. And again, if nothing else, everybody else on this team is tradable. Uh, I keep saying that Kyle Kuzma and Jordan Poole, they have been traded. We just don't know who the other team is yet. They they won't be on this team in two years. I would be stunned if they are. I feel the exact same way. And that's the right attitude and the right approach. And it, it it's the hallmark of this new management regime who has experience doing this team building by way of, you know, turning assets into assets, right. And getting younger and the, the, the hallmark, the, the true test of it will be their eye for talent and so far so good, right? Like the cool thing does seem kind of promising. So um, we'll, we'll see, but you're right. Kuzma pool, Tyus Jones, Daniel Gafford, you know, really uh, even even Denny, although you know, <laughs> Denny obviously getting an extension that um, rivals that of Austin Reeves has a certain um, comedic element to it. There is a kind of charm to that. Uh, yes. I mean, when I saw that, what, four for 55, I was like. Four for 55. My first thought was like, what? And then, like, the reaction <laughs> I'm seeing is like, well, actually, that's kind of fine in this modern NBA with the money. The money makes no sense to me anymore for yeah. any of these deals. I keep seeing these extensions for guys. Who I'm like, really? You're over $100 million for you? Okay. Um, Kind of weird. But, yes, uh, everybody can be moved. Um, What was I going to ask you here? Uh, uh, my, my guy, uh, Joe Glorioso, with All-Pro real like he's a he's a noted photographer slash crazy wizards fan so i I said to give me some questions here we'll get to your uh your one say, oh did you see the text i sent you a minute ago if you haven't seen it yet about these new city uniforms that nike put out i i saw the washington one it, i it, don't what is it i don't understand it are they Who the miami hurricane for? like i don't understand what's going on here I don't understand the color scheme. I don't st- understand the fonts. Like, who's buying that? Is it? Is it? Well, you would you would buy it as a um, as a right. It's it's a failure, and so it has a certain collector collectible kind of thing because it's so radically outside of any connection to the city and any identity that the basketball team has had over the previous 50 years. I mean, insert insert joke here, but how can how can we go from one of the the biggest successes of the franchise over the past decade, which is the cherry blossoms? And even if that wasn't a Nike innovation, I don't recall whether it was or wasn't, like that's the thing. Like go copy that. That has some genuine yeah. connection to the area and it was so well done. I mean, my kid will forever I'll, I'm going to He's already almost outgrown his Kuzma cherry blossom jersey, but I'm going to put that thing, you know, behind glass. I'm going to have that hanging on the wall here in the in the in the studio soon enough because it's a beautiful jersey. Um, this thing, I it feels like it's a joke. Like we're being pranked, we're being punked. I don't know what this is, what the what the idea is with this Nike thing. Yeah, I'm sorry to have subjected you to, to look at that again, but it, it just 
heinous. I'm not blaming the Wizards because I guess they have no choice. But wow, I hope at least I hope they didn't because if they somebody, did, somebody why does somebody from Nike hate Washington? I might I, I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna put it out on the Twitter sphere or right. the X Xbox, whatever you call it. <laughs> well, why why does Nike hate Washington? Uh, you you absolutely should. All right, two two last questions for uh, for Joe House here. Okay, first question: True or false? I, we we have already established that this season is not about winning games, but okay. In terms of being competitive, because obviously they you know want to play, and you don't want to see your team lose by thirty every game. The most indispensable player on this team this year is Daniel Gafford. True or false? True, undeniable, and. You know, it is one area where acquisition-wise, I wouldn't be surprised to see Washington in some kind of market trying to get another big healthy because, um, you know, what's the runway for Gallinari, who is the backup center, I guess, is is Danilo. I mean, we have Mike Muscala and, and Danilo Gallinari, neither one of whom want to be here. I'd be surprised if they're doing anything but, like, 10-day rentals wherever it is that they're staying in the city. So those guys make sense with, with veteran teams. I mean, for, for what just happened to uh, the Memphis Grizzlies with Steven Adams being out immediately, we have a team in the market, you know, for, for some veteran big guy kind of support. We need to, a, a, a young um, big guy, a young asset, like somebody in the, in the developing stage but they there's absolutely we're going to lose every rebounding matchup for the entire season so in fact that's a nice angle to think about betting i'm going to have to figure out how i'm going to bet that in the derivative markets we're going to lose every rebounding matchup um so gafford has to be on the floor he has to be on the floor he has to avoid foul trouble and um, you know he's been he's gotten some injuries so like it's it's not like he's like the most durable dude down there you know so uh yeah they don't have i mean none of their they don't even have the you know the Markeith Morris would, would slide over to five months. Robin that. Lopez. No, I know. Yeah, nothing. None so that that's my only concern from a from a pure basketball perspective. Again, it's not the most important <laughs> thing, but you know, you don't want to watch the game and then all of a sudden, you know, Anthony Davis is getting literally every rebound, right? Or Joel Embiid. Uh, you know, I don't know how that's going to work. Um. All right. Last thing. So you, as I said, you and uh, the the guys at the Ringer went through every NBA team's over under and discussed the teams in that way. I think you had what twenty three and a half for the Wizards. I did. Um, that market has changed. I think it's up to twenty four and a half at, at virtually everywhere. I I hope that I'm not responsible for changing the price. I I haven't seen other folks. Although I Tom Haberstro did a bit about why that was a low total. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not so. Uh, you know. I'm self-aware enough to understand that I'm not moving the betting markets, but I haven't seen a lot of other people are out there arguing for the over on 23 and a half, but it's gone from 23 and a half up to 24 and a half. And they are, that's the lowest for any team. Correct. That's the lowest win total for any team in the NBA, the lowest forecasted win total. That's correct. Yeah. So I guess I was surprised when I mean, cause I was like, wow, I know obviously the wizards took a step back, which is reasonable. Of course, not you know, moving on from Beal, moving on from poor Zingas, cool but i was still like really because it seems like there should be higher and i kind of heard simmons and rosillo say to you well they can't replace all that they lost and the poor zingas part's going to be interesting because like we just said they just don't have any size and i'm not saying jordan Poole is is bradley an all-star bradley beal but at the same time from a numbers perspective i think he'll get there but but also 
you know, the, the team they didn't have, the team have a lot of enthusiasm, right? Every year they're having to blow it up, start over. So I'm with you. I think that I, I can see them being the first two months of the year being pretty frisky, maybe a little under 500. And then as the season goes on, they lose eight of nine or something. But I I, 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 I would take the over uh, I, at least at 23 and a half, you know, I can't, we'll see about 24. I gotta think about that. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I think I would, I think I would go over. Yeah. I mean, 25 wins is such a low bar. And my argument to those guys was that none of the players on the team are okay with the idea of just going out and, and losing games. They're not giving half efforts because they all understand that they're auditioning for either their extension in the form of Corey Kispert, who definitely wants an extension. Then he just got his extension, which, you know, may make him a, a good, valuable trade asset. But for sure, Coos and Poole and, and Tyus Jones understand they're auditioning for their, for their next job. And they all would like to go be in situations where the teams have, you know, good trajectory, good, good um, fortune in front of them playoff wise. That's not going to be here this year or the next year. But those guys are, aren't motivated to go out and be dogs. They want to go play and play the right way, which is why, you know, we'll we'll have to live through some of these pool games where he takes, you know, 30 shots and scores 25 points on, on them. And it's going to be on, on Coach uh, W.U.J., Unsell Jr., to, you know, re rein that in and let the other guys, if, if the whole purpose is, is this auditioning stage, then the, it starts from game one and goes up to the trade deadline. And, and then we can reset and, 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 you know, lose the games that everybody's kind of forecasting. But between now and then, which is about 53 games or so, I think they're going to try. They're going to try and be competitive. And the talent is not markedly worse than last year's talent. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Like, and also, like I said, other than the backup center kind of deal, you know, again, they're not making a playoff, not even close. But like, it's not like they don't have like you know they've got you know, the the two point guards are both pretty solid guys, and Kispert can shoot. Obviously, Kulabali looks like looks like he should be able to contribute. Um, if Gallinari is a thing, you know. So yeah, I'm with you. Okay, so uh, don't bet your mortgage on this necessarily, unless you can get no. you're just that rich. But like, if you wanted to dabble, House is giving you permission to view the Wizards in that light. Um, by the way, I mentioned earlier that we all wait around for Magic Johnson tweets. He just tweeted in classic Magic Johnson tweet fashion, I'm really excited about the start of the NBA season tomorrow. The four best teams in the West will be featured on national TV, the Lakers versus the Nuggets, and the Suns versus the Warriors, exclamation mark. Uh, by the way, in perfect uh, symmetry here, the first comment I see below that says, Fire Rivera and JDR. So... <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic wonderful what, what a world um house always a pleasure tell you have literally so many things to people needed to know about uh i've mentioned some of in the intro but tell everybody where they can find you out there in the world besides um, besides with mayor bowser's uh staff <laughs> the chamber of commerce for for dc uh East Coast Bias is a Monday, Thursday show on the Ringer Gambling feed. The Ringer Wise Guys is every Sunday. It's a live television show on FanDuel TV, and you can watch it on the Twitter machine and YouTube if that's your preference. 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. every single Sunday forecasting football games. And then I am on with my homie Warren Sharp, DMV resident Warren Sharp, the deep analytic 
NFL thinker. We're trying to forecast uh, the, the the upcoming slate for, for Sunday games. That podcast is up every single Friday morning in the Ringer gambling feed. And it, there's still some golf going on out there. This uh, live PGA Tour, um, you know, uh, uh, epic struggle continues there will be some some um you know things that that shape up over the fall so fairway rolling in your golf feed if you're interested in some of the twists and turns of the professional golf world that is going to be going down uh additional shows this coming fall are are you uh, i believe i saw that it's the uh team season or the teams are going to the playoffs or something are you a a four aces guy or uh crushers or i don't even know what goes on with this. I, I, I don't understand I, that i have to confess i never got around to finding um the cw in my cable package so i don't know where to find those those cup i've been i've had to just live with reading about the results on on twitter um afterwards i get what they're trying to do but it's like mm, mm. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so mm. um all right my guy i really pray also at, at on twitter at house from dc uh Appreciate it always. We'll sit, we'll watch the Wizards. We'll talk more about them as we go on, and maybe we'll see about getting you out to uh, maybe maybe we can find a way to delay a Commanders game before, <laughs> yeah. or maybe they'll get good enough and they'll get moved into a better window so you can come out and uh, take a look at them. Great point. I I, I like it. Uh, we'll, we'll fingers crossed. Hope springs a turtle, Ben. <laughs> Thanks, man. All right. All right. Many thanks to Joe House for his time. Thanks to everyone for checking out the podcast. I know it's been a tough uh, couple of days here, couple couple of weeks, couple couple of years, tough couple of decades. I get all that, of course. Um, and I really appreciate you guys checking out the podcast and my work accordingly. Um, but hey, more to discuss this week for sure. My guy Al Galdi will, will be back with me uh, as our home and home series continues to talk about the commanders. We'll have a bunch more as well. But that is it for now. Ben Standick signing off. Until next time. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.